Hello, this is the hardcore legend Mick Foley, and if you are interested in listening to idiots, you came to the right place. Have a nice day. I'm gonna die surrounded by the biggest idiots in the galaxy. You're a slacker. You stupid idiot! Yeah, well, you know, that's just like uh, your opinion, man. Oh, idiot! Game over, man! Hey, hey, careful Whoa. with that, Ronnie Millsap. We're downrange. What's the matter with you? I feel like a Kentucky Fried Idiot. Oh, I'll take it from here, nurse. We're putting the band back together. Forget it. No way. We're on a mission from God. Gentlemen, Ciccolini here may talk like an idiot and look like an idiot, but don't let that fool you. He really is an idiot. I was going to spend the night assembling the boys you, but this is holding my interest. I got man. Greetings, ladies and gentlemen, friends and fiends, and welcome to Free Range Idiocy, the podcast about everything, but mostly just the stuff we like. This is episode 17, and we're pulling into the Free Range Idiocy trailer park for our list of movies that we're looking forward to in 2020 and which ones we really don't need to see, based almost solely on the trailers, thus the name of this episode, and it sounded much better before I explained it all. But anyway, my name is Todd, and with me as always is a man who needs no introduction, mostly because he refuses to divulge anything beyond name, rank, and serial number, the Jacques to my Raymond, yes, we Canada, I give you the man they call Tim. Greetings and salutations, my brother. How are we? Uh, doing pretty well, doing pretty well. Uh, I figured last week we, uh, we were talking about another uh, weird association with uh, the mouth of the South, Jimmy Hart, and, and figured this week we could, uh, we could throw out the fabulous Rougeau brothers. The fabulous Rougeaus. And uh, which one is it now? Is it Jacques or Raymond who is doing the commentary for the last pay-per-view? Was I believe it Jacques? it's no. I believe it was Raymond. 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 See, that's uh-huh. a, the that is one of the best things about French is every name sounds cooler. <laughs> you know, <laughs> like what, what what was the uh, the hockey player Guy Forget? Oh, that's right. Or that's Guy right. Guy Forget. Like, that's that's right. Guy Forget. Yes. Yes. <laughs> But anyway, uh, so we're, uh, we'd like to thank you all for tuning in uh, once again. It is our pleasure to be, uh, well, basically just yapping at you for a certain period of time, and we're glad that you decided to listen in. God bless you for not having anything better to do. Uh, you can follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Free Range Idiocy. You can also subscribe to this wonderful podcast uh, on iTunes and on Podbean. And you can go to freerangeidiocy.com in order to find that. Uh, is there anything else that we need to cover before we really kind of dive in on this? I uh, like just a big thanks to those who have uh, pumped the total download numbers up to uh, an even 433. We appreciate yes. it. Uh, we got Bobby Orr and Larry Bird. That's, that's right. That's where we're at. That's, that's right. how I always think of these things. Four triple triple, uh, baby. <laughs> So, I mean, at this point, uh, we've, we've gotten through our, our introduction in record time here. So, I guess we ought to ask the big question of the evening. Uh, sir, what you drinking? To alcohol, the cause of and solution to all of life's problems. Ah, there we go. Uh, I am having uh, local, once again, Three Floyds Gumball Head. Three Floyds. Gumball. I don't think you've ever you've ever had that on the podcast, sir. That's that's brand new, and that is an awesome name for a beer. I by have the way. not. Yeah the the Three Floyds brand. I, I do believe it's a Chicago based brewery. Um, they have some some fine fine 
just a fine, fine selection of, of, of different brews. Um, yeah, Gumball Head. There's one called uh, Yum Yum. There's Zombie Dust. Uh, they, they have some incredible, I mean, just incredible names to go with with incredibly tasting beers. So, so this is, is a awesome. uh, this this is a fantastic little ditty. So, my name is Floyd. This is my brother Floyd. My other brother Floyd. That's how I imagine it going. It's probably nothing like that, but that's in my head. That was the conversation I just. I had. kind of imagine they they have like probably a board of just different words up there, and they throw darts when they kind of figure out what they're going to call these things. It's like, well, let's for, see, for zombie sp- and dust. There we go, zombie dust, and then this one well, will be for a second, gumball head. For a second there, I thought when you said they have a board, I'm thinking they have a board of directors, and everyone has to have the name Floyd. In order to be on the board of directors, <laughs> business experience doesn't matter. You just need to have the name Floyd. You gotta be called Floyd. That would be awesome. It would be. I it would. Be. I would change my name to Floyd just for that. <laughs> I would actually. I would hyphenate it just to make it really weird. Floyd Todd. Nice. Nice. That would be. That would be terrible and awesome all at the same time. Uh, for myself, uh, I'm back on the Davidson Reserve because, dang it, it is quite tasty. Uh, nice. For those of you who didn't listen to the last episode, that's Davidson Reserve Four Grain Tennessee Straight Bourbon Whiskey. Uh, it is quite, quite, quite lovely. I would highly recommend it if you have the means. Uh, although I don't know if you can find it any everywhere. Uh, I procured this bottle via gift from a person who went to Nashville, so I'm not sure where the uh, how how far it's available. So if you find it on the shelf somewhere, definitely give it a try. It is it is quite nice and smooth. Nice. So I guess we're uh, we're doing something a little different here because we I, it just hit me probably a couple well actually it was right at the beginning of the year when all of a sudden all the trailers were coming out and it just hit me the abundance of movies I mean there's a lot of movies that come out every year yeah, I mean that just yeah. happens these things get churned out but the sheer abundance of movies where I'm like oh I got to see that oh I got to see that oh wow they're making that oh wow I got... there was just a ton of movies it seemed that I'm like man I've got to start putting these in my calendar i'm gonna have to try and schedule myself for all of these (laughs) and i thought you know it'd be kind of interesting to hear what what you have to say about some of these movies what movies you're looking forward to and then share that with all the people because well we have nothing better to do with our time apparently that's the only reason i can come up with well and 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 one other thing to point out is is we're kind of going into some uh, some unfamiliar territory as of late because we're entering into uh, mm. a year where we are not going to have some of the, the the pillars of Marvel. We're yeah. we're, we're we're not going to have the the next Star Wars, uh, y- you know, kind of kind of movie at this point. I think. Uh, ho- Thank you, ho- Lord. Ho- Hopefully, they're they're giving this a breather for a little bit, so so they they can. Uh, reset reorient uh and and cultivate as we've been talking about uh, over the last couple episodes some good storylines now that being said marvel does have uh falcon and winter soldier wandavision and i loki is loki coming this year or was that next year i can't remember i I think it might be next year i think it might be next year yeah so there are some familiar Marvel faces, and of course we have Black Widow coming up. So we yes. do have some familiar faces, but I get what you mean, like the the biggies. Yeah, like like, like I think this year. Up. Yeah, I think this year it's Black Widow. Uh, there's one called Morbius, and then there's this one called the Eternals. Well, Mobius is is Sony. That's only associated. So that's the Spider-Man universe that doesn't involve Spider-Man that Sony's trying to get going. That's oh, like the Venom, okay. the Venom verse. Okay, which. I'm like I I don't know how long you're going to be able to really pull this off, but anyway. Well, because because I don't know if you noticed at the end of the trailer that, that played for uh, Morbius is probably not the right name. I'm 
No, it is. It oh, is. oh, it yeah. is. Okay. At the end of the trailer is uh, is Michael Keaton. Well, yeah. So I, I had assumed that meant it was woven back into kind of the Marvel universe of sorts, unless Sony is just reclaiming all of that for themselves. Well, here's the thing. I actually heard that there was there someone had had put out there on the internet, so on the interwebs that. This was actually set in the Tobey Maguire Spider-Man universe, which to me is, would be just about the most like Sony thing that you could possibly do, because this is already oh, that boy. spit crazy. I mean, <laughs> why? Why not? Why, why? not? Let's, just go, let's go two Spider-Mans back and try and weave this in. So I don't even. I, was Michael Keaton in any of those movies? No, do you no. remember? No. He, okay, then he, maybe he maybe they not. are folding it in there. I he, I don't know. Yeah, he he's he's part of uh, what has been the, the the new you know kind of Spider-Man franchise. That yeah. guy. That I mean, guy he was the off. Vulture. Yeah, he, yeah, yeah. So he he was Vulture, and that's what I assumed when I saw him in the trailer. Is oh, they're now linking this guy with Vulture. Yeah. As kind of a next step towards something bigger with potentially Spider-Man. Um, yeah. So yeah. That's because that's weird because that wouldn't make a lot of sense to me. So maybe I I need to read up some more about that. So we don't we don't need to spend a whole lot of time talking about that. Oh but. yeah yeah yeah. So so my only point was it's it's just a different time we're entering into. I mean the the Eternals. I have no idea if that's going to be a pillar or not of Marvel. Yeah. It's, it's just we're we're going into the next you know phase four. There really isn't a whole lot of properties that I'm looking forward to at this point. It's Spider Man and Black Panther, and that's about it. So, mm. um, and I don't even know if Black Panther Two is coming out this year, to be honest. So, uh, no, it's coming out next year. Okay. I think, okay. I think we might even have to wait for 2022 before we get the next Thor movie, which is ah, which sounds like it's going to be awesome because yeah. that's when we uh, that's when we get. Oh my gosh, I am totally blanking on her name. <sighs> Jane Ooh. Foster. Um, oh, okay. What what's the actress? Uh, oh, I, Natalie I'm, Portman. Yes, I'm getting every like every actress from the past twenty years except Natalie Portman <laughs> running through my head. <laughs> At one point, I almost threw out Rosario Dawson. I'm like, nope, that ain't it. Let's see, Kate Blanchett. <laughs> yeah, wrong character. Just, <laughs> who? Oh, oh man, I hope I hope there's some way to bring Kate Blanchett back because. Hello, she was. She just looked like she was having such a great time she playing Hella, and yeah. she was awesome yeah she was good um she was good. but anyway before we go into more mcu just fanboyed them um <laughs> Bye. so so a couple of rules here we don't have many but we did have a couple so it's movies that are coming out yet uh, or yet to come out it would be a much more grammatically <laughs> correct way to put that <laughs> yeah we're starting off roaring here let me tell you humana, 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 humana. it's the uh, post mandalorian so- episode hangover so <laughs> Yeah, yeah, man. Oh, I can't believe we have to wait till September for that. Oh, I have spoken. Anyways, yes. Uh, so th- we are recording this on February 16th. So basically anything that came out before or this week, before this weekend, we are not talking about. So if you're like, hey, what about you know Birds of Prey? Well, it's already out. So that's we're not talking. That's a bad you know, one. That's a bad one. <laughs> This is the way. Uh, so we are we are going to just talk about movies that are yet to come out, mm-hmm. uh, and and a lot of these are basically just based on trailers. We're only looking at the trailers. We haven't we haven't really taken a deep dive into them. So if you're like, hey, what about the blah 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 blah? We probably don't know because honestly, we're lazy. That's I mean that's really what it comes down to. <laughs> selling it, baby, selling it. I love it. I just want to be up front with the people, you know? That's I don't want right. them to have any illusions about what they're getting here. I know, I know. 
All right, so the way we're going to work this is, uh, first of all, we might as well start with the good news first <laughs> and then, then hit you with the bad news. Mm-hmm. So we're going to start off with the ones that we're looking forward to. Uh, we, we each picked five, and so we'll just run down our top fives, and then we'll just kind of chat about whichever ones that happen to strike our fancy. Um, so why don't you go first, sir, and, and run down your list for us. He's the best. Love it. All right, so my five... Uh and, and they are kind of in order of, of interest. Uh, so so oh, I Oh, you did that. Damn, uh, I, I messed up. Yeah, so we'll 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 touch on this a little bit. But my five are uh, at number one, Ghostbusters Afterlife. Mm. At number two, Bill and Ted Face the Music. Mm-hmm. At number three, Quiet Place Two. At number four, Antebellum. And at number five, the Christopher Nolan hopeful hopefully a classic. Tenant. All right. So for me, I I kind of put these in order, but not really. the The first two, yes, and after that, it's kind of a tie for three. Uh, the first one is uh, No Time to Die, new James Bond flick, uh, Ghostbusters Afterlife, Wonder Woman 1984, Soul, and Top Gun Maverick. Maverick. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I was trying to think of something to say, and then that just came to me. So. <laughs> Uh, Jester's dead. Oh, um, so th- let's start off with the one that we both have in common, because I think as both, uh, you know, uh, uh, gentlemen of a certain age, Ghostbusters is near and dear to our hearts in, in many ways. Yes. One, just for the movie itself. Two, mm-hmm. for the place it was kind of in our childhood, mm-hmm. where it was set in our childhood. And then also just for the 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 cumulative memories associated with the actors involved i mean there's there's so many actors involved in that original ghostbusters movie that have that then i mean the the web just spreads mm-hmm. you know and then extends into so many other areas and connects yeah uh so you tell me i mean you start first on this one what what was it about that flick that or the trailer that really just Got you. Um, so, so, but before I go into that, just to kind of piggyback on what you're just saying, I don't know quite how to describe it to to mm-hmm. the listeners. But if we have listeners who were uh, like us, products of the '80s, yep, the '80s were just a very interesting time, entertainment wise, um, where we did not have the interwebs, we did not have. Mm-hmm. You know the these sort of global channels of communication where you can learn spoilers and and learn about what's coming. Uh, you know up next. You know through some sort of channels that are out there. You know kind of uh, existing in the ether. But hell, hell, most of us didn't have cable. Most of us didn't have cable. But when Ghostbusters came out, it was huge. I mean, yeah. it was huge and the the story has held up over time. Um, Ghostbusters two. We'll pretend it's kind of there. Um. <laughs> well, I, you know what? I actually, I real, I love Ghostbusters too. Did Not you? as much as Ghostbusters one, but I really, okay. I, I do think it's it holds up. It does hold up. I just I thought, think. I just thought the Statue of Liberty thing was just like, come on, really? Okay, so, so let me get this straight. But gigantic marshmallow man, totally realistic and and well within like it doesn't blow my mind. Statue of Liberty walking, nah. No, no, it's it's not a realism thing. It's 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 the gimmick. You know what I mean? Like we had never Again, seen gigantic marshmallow <laughs> guy. But, wait, wait, wait. But but we had never seen that before. You know what I mean? Like like we had never seen that play out in the movie. And I and oh, I, I'm sorry. You, you've and, seen a movie with a Statue of Liberty walking through Manhattan? Please do tell. Well, 
Give Kurt Russell time. He did escape from New York. He may use that the was statue. The head. That and then it wasn't even in the movie, was it? No, I don't remember that part. <laughs> Joking. We had to wait till Cloverfield till you got the Statue of Liberty head chucked in there. <laughs> oh my gosh! So um... and, you got, and you had to suffer through motion sickness for that. Can't you just be happy? We got two Ghostbusters movies. Can't you just be happy? <laughs> oh boy. Oh, we're off to a fantastic start tonight, folks. I mean, we we haven't even talked about Roman Reigns, and Todd's about to have you know. A, oh, a, don't don't you get me started <laughs> with that. All right, let's let's bring it back to Ghostbusters. Don't you life. bring that name into this? Oh my That's, gosh! So it's like Voldemort, he shall not be named. <laughs> oh my gosh! Oh, that's too funny. Um, so Anyways, back to Ghostbusters. So life. so so. <laughs> so Oh man, you you've totally just thrown me for a loop. Um, I'd say off the I'd say we're off the rails, but were we ever really on the rails? I, I, I question that a lot. I I think that's part of our gimmick. So yes, um, so yeah, so so that movie was so iconic, and like you said, the characters established iconic, and and just you know you know just just kind of part of the social. I don't know if zeitgeist is the right way to put it, but just kind of woven mm-hmm. into the culture, you know. And so when I saw this trailer, um, a couple things that stood out to me were, were, were this. One, brilliant idea to bring one of the characters from Stranger Things in as one of the teenagers. Um, so I, I need to look up his name. I didn't do any sort of preparation. Um, but one, <laughs> let me find his name. But way to live the gimmick. Way the, to live the gimmick. The the. One of the teens the, with the long, scraggly hair, the one that kind of fires up the uh, the the yeah, old yeah. Uh, Ghostbusters. The one with the glasses, mobile. not the one kind with the, the glasses. One? No, no, no. He okay. he has longer hair. Okay. Uh, I think his name is Finn Wolfhard. Yeah, I think he's. Yeah. Great name. Dang. Yes. Yes. How come Finn. I have a name Finn. Finn or Floyd. Finn Wolfhard is his name. Uh, he is one of the main characters from Stranger Things, and so it's it's kind of a neat hook to bring him into it um, mm-hmm. as as one of the characters. Not sure who he is really yet. He seems to be part of this family, um, and as the trailer plays out, we kind of get a sense that they may have a potential potential tie in to Egon Spengler yeah. um, because his sister appears to be the one with the glasses, and you see her at some point finding this closet that has the old uniforms and she kind of yeah. peels back and you see Spengler's name. Oh, that's so great. Which is just fantastic. So so there's that part of it. So I think it's an interesting hook to kind of take someone who's part of already this sort of late, you know, 2010s, you know, kind of oddity sort sort of show like Stranger Things and bring him into it. Um, you know, it's kind of a tie, not a tie into the show, but, but just, you know, for viewers, you know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. like, like here's someone they can relate to who's been in something that is kind of weird, you know? Yeah. And, um, and, and we're bringing him into this, into this world. The, the whole scene with, with, uh, the, the, the Ghostbuster mobile was fantastic. Yeah. Um, I love the fact it's not in New York. Yes. They needed yes. to get out of New York. And, and we talked about this last time about with, with the Mandalorian. I'm hoping whatever is the plot that or, or, or whatever is the um, the main antagonist or, or plot device that's going on doesn't end up being similar in nature to what happened in Ghostbusters 1. We, we, we've kind of already done the apocalyptic good versus evil sort of thing. It seems mm. like 
what I'm hoping, um, it's not Ivan Reitman, but his son. Again. Yeah, Jason. Jason. Jason Reitman. So I, I feel like because it's in his hands, he probably has a good idea of the story and tone. And, and they already seem to be going down this familial route with it. Like, like maybe mm-hmm. there's going to be some tie-in. You know, Harold Ramis passed away a few years ago, so Egon's not a part of it. Maybe it's something pertaining to him, you know, now that he mm-hmm. is in the afterlife, so to speak. Um, and, and he is part of that realm now that will come out of all of this, which will be kind of interesting. I, I think it's just a different, it feels like it's going to be a different story and not the same apocalyptic sort of thing we've been through um, yeah. with, with the first two. And, and so for me, that's what's really exciting. And, and I like seeing the Ghostbuster mobile kind of peeling around the farmland and, you know, going on, you know, kind of peeling through the small town and all of that. Um, it just, it, it, Trailers sometimes give away too much. This gave away the right amount. Um, yeah. And so that that's what has me kind of hooked on it, what's interesting. And, and then Paul Rudd, I, I love the couple of parts they showed him where he's telling them the history and kind of reverting, or, or yeah. not, not, not reverting, but referring to it as, you know, it was, it was like 1984, it was like The Walking Dead. I mean, it, it, it you know, when you looked at the footage, it's like, yeah, you could yeah. see that someone describing it that way if it really happened you know and that sort of thing so mm-hmm. so those were the the, the primary things that kind of stood out to me that that i that just got me really excited about it. and this this is probably the one I'm, I'm most looking forward to yeah i mean the the when i first when they put up the first teaser trailer and it starts off and it was kind of like it was kind of this generic thing like if you didn't know what it was when you're first watching it you wouldn't be. You'd be like, okay, what's this generic horror movie? And then all of a sudden, you hear that that like sound. Oh yeah, like that Ghostbusters sound that happened like when the when you're first at the beginning of the first Ghostbusters downstairs at the library. Yes, yes. And I heard that. I'm like, oh wait a minute, this might actually work. And then it was a slow reveal of of Ecto One, and I'm like, you know what? I'm in. I'm in already. I'm oh yeah. In off the teaser, and then watching this trailer. I mean, this could very easily be a cash grab. And I, I, you could probably make an argument that Ghostbusters 2 was kind of a cash grab. Although I think it was actually a really... I think it was a really interesting way to make a sequel where they kind of poked fun at the idea of a sequel. Mm-hmm. You know, by having... by the very At the very beginning, you know, the you show the Ghostbusters up on hard times and you think it's, oh, they're, they're going in and, and it turns out to be a kid's birthday party. You know, that's what they've been reduced to. Right, right. So I thought that was kind of cool. But the idea of it could just be a blatant cash grab. But the fact that it's Ivan Reitman's son. Yeah. And the way that it's being handled and shown and just kind of the way that the trailer was structured. And I know that Ivan Reitman, I mean, uh, Josh Reit- Jason Reitman wasn't cutting the trailer. I know mm-hmm. they have other people do that. But just the tone that it's setting yeah, to me is like, it's it, it it could be a nostalgia grab or a cash grab. This very much feels like a son lovingly carrying on his dad's legacy. And yes. you know what? I am all in on that. And because this was this was such a part of my childhood. Yeah. And just w- seeing that and and just like yes, yeah, totally. And the idea of like you were saying that maybe this is Egon in the afterlife, that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. To me, that would make so much sense. And then there's then there's just the fact that the way they the way they utilize Bill Murray's voice from the first movie. Yes, voice over over this of you call it fate, call it. Kid. I was just like, 
I believe things happen for a reason. And right. just the way it was happening, I'm like, oh, you know what? Damn it. Now I'll buy five tickets. That's how much I believe in this movie. Just take my money five times. I I just want no one sitting around me. Or yeah. I'll, I'll pick up four random people and take them to this. Absolutely. Yeah. And and, and that's and I was I was going to say that if you hadn't touched on it is that that is the other reason why I think this will be going in, in a focused direction and not be just some sort of retread of yeah. of what we've seen before. I, I know there's a lot of flack given to, you know, the, the Ghostbusters movie that came out a couple of years ago with, um, you know, with the all theme. Which they're totally ignoring. Yeah. <laughs> they're pretending with, that's like in an alternate universe or something. Like, it's bizarro Ghostbusters. Right. Forget it ever happened. Right. And, and you know, what, what I what I came away and, and kind of felt was unfair toward, you know, the, the cast of that movie was, you know, you use the word cash grab. I, I really don't feel there was a whole lot of thought put into the story. Um, because it, it was very much a retread of you're in a big city, you're trying to figure out what supernatural crap is going on. There's someone who's, you know, kind of stoking the fires and there's some massive battle at the end that you deal with. And yeah, it, it just, it didn't bring anything different to it. You know what I mean? And I think well, you don't have, there, there is some, you got to have some sort of like soul to it. There has to be some sort of like. Like I, I give a tremendous amount of, of of credence to heart, yeah. In a flick, there has to be you have to there has to be something that somebody is putting into it. And to me, I saw the trailer for that. I saw, I read about it. And I'm like, no, it's it's just like they're trying to cash in. They're trying to restart this thing so they can do it because hey, Bill Murray doesn't want to make any more of these. Right. So right. we need to we need to figure out a new way to present it. Yeah. And to me, that's all it was. Yeah. And it didn't seem like there was any real anything to it right and and this on the other hand feels like there's actually been some care taken with it right and and to be clear nothing to do with them with it being the ladies doing it it's it's this it's can you can you tell that story with that cast and have it be like you just said a story with some heart to it and i and i think they did themselves the, the writers did themselves a disservice on that film by not trying to tap into the history of what what you know the the established um you know, timeline that, that had happened there that why not? Well, you also have to consider what the studio was ordering them to do. Well, yeah, they might've said like, no, you're not allowed to do this and this and this and this. Cause that's a big property. Yeah. The studio is only going to say like, you can do this. You can't do that. Sort of like when we talked about star Wars, like Kathy Kennedy isn't just gonna be like, Hey Ryan, just go off and make your own movie. We don't care. We'll whatever. We'll see it at the premiere. Right. Right. You know, I think the biggest thing that they, the the thing that really ticked me off about that movie is they had incredible talent mm-hmm. with with those with those women. Yep. With uh, that 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 was a that was a solid cast. Nothing against them. Yep. But they turned they turned like all of them into complete stereotypes. Oh yeah, yeah. Either that or they're like, hey, you're this character, and we're just going to make you female, and then try and you know. It, to me, that was a thing. Like there was there was no reason for me to go see that. Right. Give me at least two or three different characters. Yep. You yep. know, and it's like, it, 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 to me, it was like so obvious that, hey, this is what we're doing with this. And, oh, yeah, you're this person, you're this person, this and this stereotype and this stereotype. Like, eh, no, I'm good. Yeah. I'm good. I don't need to see that. I'm fine. Yeah. I can go, I can stay home and watch the DVDs of the first two Ghostbusters quite nicely. Thank you. Right. And and so f- so for this, um, yeah, I, I feel like it's drawing from the history of the franchise. It is. You know, we, we only got Bill Murray's voice. You know, we're all hoping that we're going to see the originals in the film, but they showed nothing yeah. around that, which is great. Because, I, you know, again, with trailers, I don't want to see every 
cool part or every awesome part or every little thing. I just want to just wet my appetite. And and honestly, if the content has legs, if it has heart, like you just said, it will stand on its own in the trailer. Um, mm-hmm. By but you know by not revealing everything, which is I mean look at Tenant, which is one of your your like yeah one of your top five. It shows you like just enough. Oh yeah, just enough to like get you interested because it's kind of like oh it's this sort of movie and then all of a sudden towards the end of the trailer you're like wait a minute oh yeah that's right it's a Christopher Nolan movie yeah huh mm-hmm. so, so we basically just threw uh threw like James Bond and Inception into a blender yep but who knows what else is going to come out of it yeah 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 like either sh- either yeah and pay attention here DC like we don't need the whole stinking movie in the trailer thank you. <laughs> Anyways. Oh, my gosh. Just had to get that one out. Um, so, anyway, Tenet actually was one of yours, and uh, this was this would probably make my top ten because I watched that trailer a couple times, mm-hmm. and I was like, yeah, this is this is pretty freaking... And, and I love the fact that Christopher Nolan kind of has the audacity to put, for the full experience, see it in the theater. I'm like, see the trailer in the theater. Holy crap, really? You, you got some serious cojones, but <laughs> then I'm like, yeah, I kind of actually would like to see that trailer in the theaters. Yes. Damn it, you caught me. So I mean that one obviously I think is going to be a fantastic action flick yep. and and also thought provoking. Oh yeah, oh yeah, yeah. The, the 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 big draw with with Tenant for me is is um I don't know if I'm saying it right because it's not like Tenant like like a Tenant uh, apartment Tenant yeah, it's, it's, it's it's Tenant. I kind of feel like uh it it just it, like like you said you, you just get just enough and it kind of plants the seeds for um being inception like you know what i mean like mm. like i don't really believe nolan would, would do a retread but i think he's you know kind of like uh, i'm not explaining this well as i remember seeing the inception trailer it had some of those elements to it you know what i mean yeah and and therefore i kind of think you know it's going to be that kind of tone of of a film but at the same time i can't tell you what the heck it's about <laughs> so well, i think it's i think it's interesting how 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 he loves to play with time mm-hmm. like the concept of time and this was something i didn't really even think about until just now as we're talking because you look at a you know even in memento like you go back to that and and really there is a little bit of time because he's kind of hopping around here in the act and the idea of like he can only hold memories for so long right and right. then you have you know inception which the deeper you go uh into the the dreams the slower time moves mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. And 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 then you get into uh, Dunkirk, which was told the same story was playing out over three different speeds of time, mm-hmm. which I was which was very disconcerting until I kind of caught on, and then I'm like, oh, okay, now I get it. Like yeah. these th- three things are all happening kind of simultaneously, but at different paces. Yes, gotcha. Yep. And and he really enjoys doing that, even in Inter- Interstellar. Like kind of this idea of, of of the interstellar travel and 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 when they go down to the planet and they come back up, how much time has passed and how much more time has passed than they thought was going to pass, and he really enjoys that. So this this idea of you know things this hasn't happened yet, mm-hmm. like playing with time and how that's I, I'm I'm really intrigued because it almost feels like dude you've been building through this <laughs> through all of your movies like this might be like his mic drop moment of like yeah I'm done now yeah. <laughs> Wait, we didn't get any warning. 
but no, it, this this looks like a killer flick. Yes, I, I would. I'm really looking forward to see that in the theaters. Yeah, and and um, I don't know if you ever watched. Um, I, I forget. I think it was on AMC. Um, it was called James Cameron's Story of Science Fiction. And no. he, he did different episodes that, that were about different aspects of science fiction. And so when it came to time travel, I think was the episode where he had Christopher mm-hmm. Nolan on. And what, what was really cool is when, when Nolan was talking about Inception, he was describing, you know, some of the some of the real life experience that kind of influenced him to, to write the story. And one of them, which I can very much relate to because I can remember this happening to me, is he, he, he related a story about um uh, when he was in college, you know, he, he would have uh, an early class and then he wouldn't have class until like the middle of the afternoon. So he's like, I would go to the class, I'd go to the cafeteria, I'd have breakfast, and then I'd go back to bed for like a couple hours. And and he said, I used to have some of the most vivid dreams after mm. doing that, where mm-hmm. I could affect the environment around me. I, I was, rem- you know, I was kind of walking through mo- like recent events. It's like, you, you know, your brain and that level was was just functioning differently than it does when you just go to bed at night. And he's like mm-hmm. that. That kind of when I when I went through that, it just you know that was one piece of what I drew from when I was putting that that story together was this idea that you can impact the environment of of you know kind of your your unconscious self through through the dreams. People assume that time is a strict progression of cause to effect, but actually, from a non-linear, non-subjective viewpoint, it's more like a big ball of wibbly wobbly, timey wimey stuff. So I'm I'm. You know, so when it, like you said, when it comes to him in time, you know, he brings these these aspects of things. Like I don't know if you, if you ever went through that yourself, but I there were several times I had a very similar schedule and I did a very similar thing, and I can totally mm-hmm. relate. You, you know, your dreams are just very very different when you take a nap, you know, kind of in the late morning than it is when you go to bed at night. And I can see that, yeah. And and you know, especially after you've had some food in your system too, I think all that stuff plays into it. And um, so, anyways, it was just kind of interesting, like how he draws that from just kind of. Your, your, you know, what human psychology just kind of naturally does. Um, mm-hmm. and, and this one here, the most I can tell is it's a detective who can jump f- either forward or backward through time, potentially, um, mm-hmm. to, to work through some, you know, some plot, obviously. But it's just it's really unclear what what's really going on there. So so it's 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 interesting. Yeah. And then actually. Uh, so I think your I think your list is much more interesting than mine. So I'm going to hold off on going to mine. Ah, come as on. As possible. Uh, so <laughs> antebellum. So yes. I actually had an honorable mention section for for my uh, for my top five because there was like there was like three movies that I was like oh man if I actually want if I could actually like I, I just I, I don't do horror mm-hmm. and I actually have a hard time dealing with doing suspense and so I, there's certain movies I see I'm like oh man I I think that movie would be interesting but I don't know if I'd go see it in the theater because I just I don't I don't need to like tap out in the middle of a theater at least if i do it at home there's le- a little less shame antebellum was one of those because that looks like a mother of a movie like that is such a weird premise mm-hmm. of like this idea of like this writer uh, so the the quick summary i don't want to steal your thunder here but writer a writer successful writer gets trapped inside an alternate reality that is possibly set in slavery area era american south and has to find a way out like almost like this like alternate reality game and it's so disconcerting watching that trailer that I was like I kind of want to see this movie but I don't know if I would want to go see it in the theater because it might be a little bit too much for me but I might just be a wimp as well so tell me what you what you thought about this one um, that really drew you to it 
Yeah, for for me, I'm a big fan. Now, now I, I need to be clear because originally I was under the preconception that Jordan Peele was behind this. He he is not, near as I can tell. Um, well, I thought it was a. Uh, is it his production company? It's his production company. So okay. So there there are individuals who worked on, you know, worked on us and on uh, um, Get Out. Get Out. Um, those two movies for me uh, were just amazing, and and just the way that. The way that Peel just kind of through through horror kind of touches on some very you know deep themes around you know race and and mm-hmm. and social strata and that sort of thing. So when I see something from the group that put those movies together, where you know there's a layered story that's going to take place, you know there's going to be you know some some deep dives into some very difficult topics, and mm-hmm. to see it play out where. You're right. Where it's like you know there there's clearly slavery going on, but yet I'm seeing like airplanes flying over, and it's like modern and yeah, it it it's a little freaky, you know. And and so I'm I'm intrigued by that. Like, where is this going? What is this about? How yeah. is this going to play out? You know, stories like I don't mean like that in the sense of 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 the 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 slavery topic, but but the idea of you know kind of things that we relate to old to to past history to olden times from our perspective being brought into the present or even into the near near future um Mm -hmm. has always intrigued me when it comes to things like science fiction so i i just think it's going to be a very interesting story i again like like uh tenant i can't really put my finger on where it's going to go or or how it even started there's a show out right now um that was based on a book it was called the is it the handmaiden's tale or something like that yes yeah they have had some freaky trailers as well, you know, where you see this like, you know, it's. I mean, I don't know if you're familiar with with that story at all. I, I haven't read it at all. I just only read the summary. vaguely, but, only vaguely. But it's you know, it, it's a very, it's one of these things that if if, you know, kind of a a religious sect were to take over the government and just kind of you know restructure society altogether, mm-hmm. um, how that would play out and yeah, and it, it just has a very freaky tone to it, you know, because. In some ways, you could, you know, given how the world is right now, you could kind of see some of that stuff play out, you know. And so I think that's what gives it a little bit of, uh, like, like an edge to it, you know. And so yeah. I, I look at Antebellum like that, where it has this ability to kind of touch a nerve or, or to strike a nerve, um, given, you know, our world now and just given some, some other things going on, just how, how that, that story would play out and just how, you know, just, just, the, just the, the exploration of those themes through the story uh, is is just what what kind of has me interested? Yeah, to me, I, I think it goes and I again, I'm just connecting dots in real time. So if this if this sucks, you know, well, eh, give me a give me a pass. Uh, this it kind of goes to me. You've heard of the uncan uh, the uncanny valley, correct? Mm-hmm. So uh, if you haven't heard of that, that is, uh, it's a and I'm reading directly from uh, what I found on the interwebs at uh, spectrum.ieee.org, which I have no idea what that actually is. But the Uncanny Valley is a concept first introduced in the 1970s by Masahiro Mori, then a professor at the Tokyo Institute of Technology. Mori coined the term Uncanny Valley to describe his observation that as robots appear more human-like, they become more appealing, but only up to a certain point. So the idea that once you get too close to human, all of a sudden our brains start sending out this thing like, hey, this ain't right. 
Hmm. Um, Interesting. And that and that's why a lot of CGI effects can be kind of weird. Yeah. I think um, because it tries to get so close, but yet it doesn't, or or whatever. However, I think a story like this, where it and the Handmaid's Tale and things like, and, and some of these alternate reality storylines. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The closer they get to our to what we're familiar with and we get uncomfortable with, it actually works in the favor of the story then because it's not a visual thing. It's actually, it's making you uncomfortable and it's making you uh, self-aware of what's happening. It's making you self-conscious. Yeah. Like you're becoming actually conscious of, of who you are, what you think, what you feel, how you interpret the world around you. Right. And that's exactly what they're trying to do. Right. right. And in a story like this, it, it is one of those things where it, I mean, watching the trailer, it was kind of disconcerting and, and a little bit uncomfortable. And that's part of the reason why I kind of want to see this movie. Yeah. I might end up seeing it. I might try to try to do it. I might wimp out and actually see it when it goes on streaming or something like that so that I can, <laughs> I can turn it off. I, 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 you know, I never claim to be like, you know, no, the greatest no. cat in the world. No. Uh, but I am, I, am in, I am very intrigued. And, I mean, the fact is, I mean, that production company has done some amazing work and they continue to do some amazing work. And apparently they're, they're very open about, like, seeking out unknown talent. Like, they're, they're yeah. one of the few production companies out there is like, hey, yeah, send us your script. Yep. Send us send us your ideas. Yeah, we'll talk to you. Oh yeah. Oh Which yeah. Which is kind of like that's not the way it works in Hollywood. <laughs> very much like, hey, well, screw Hollywood. Uh, of course, they can do that when you've when you've got like a success record like they do. And then yeah, uh, you also had uh, so this one doesn't have a trailer yet, but I mean, uh, <laughs> come on, Bill and Ted face the music. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Yes. I'm in. Excellent. I'll, I'll spend some money on that. Sure, why not? If I could, I mean, if I could do the air guitar thing, I would. But there's no sound, so it doesn't do anything. <laughs> who who doesn't love like Keanu at this point? He is just such a cool guy. Like I was yeah. watching a, I was watching Toy Story four the other night with a fam and watched the extras, and I didn't realize that Duke Kaboom was Keanu <laughs> until I Duke. watched the extras, and I'm like, yes, That's that totally right. explains everything and just watching like the the like two minute extra thing about that i'm like oh it's so keanu like how did i not know yes and he's just such a cool guy i'm like oh like that's who would have figured that's america's sweetheart is keanu if if you can uh, uh you can post it in the show notes if you want if if you look up keanu on the colbert show mm-hmm. um not, not the colbert report but 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 the late show that he's on now yeah, yeah. um he was on a few months back and he was talking about, um, I think it was for John Wick 3, and then he was starting to talk about what they're doing with Bill and Ted. Mm-hmm. And at the very end, Colbert just poses a question to him about, because um, he's talking about the, the, the story of, of, of what's going to happen in the movie with Bill and Ted and, and this sort of thing. And he asks him a question about, oh, gosh, I, I just post the clip. It's, it's like right around the nine minute. I think it's a 10 minute clip. It's right around the nine minute mark, I think. Um, but he asked a question about when, when family members pass on or something like that, because it was like, like what, what, um, like how do they want to be remembered or so I, I forget how they got yeah, onto yeah. it, but, but the way he answered that question, when you talk about, you know, him being a cool cat, what, what, what a thoughtful answer. Um, and I apologize to the listeners cause I'm doing a horrible job articulating what this is. Just, just, go, just go watch it. I can't do justice even if I could remember it, but just having it asked like that off the cuff and the way he responds and, and you can just feel in the audience, just a, just, just the truth that he spoke in that moment. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. 
just so cool just so very cool so with with bill and ted my, my biggest concern about this one is will how are they going to do the gimmick of what made this show what made this movie popular but have it resonate with an audience of today's culture you know what i mean like yeah. The 1988 was a very different time, and <laughs> there there were things yeah. that. Although I don't know, I mean, we're, we're the 80s are a big thing now, so. Mm-hmm. I mean that 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 nostalgia that nostalgia trip is is very strong, as you can see from one of my picks. Oh yeah, oh yeah, but um, but but I I trust they they can do a good job. Alex Winter, who plays Bill, he's he's a, a very good. Uh, producer um i don't know if you uh you can post in the show notes i I might have done in another thing on this but it's called banking on bitcoin he he was a part of that uh documentary about bitcoin i mean very intelligent very intelligent guy um has he also directed a bunch of stuff too he he's directed a bunch of stuff um he's he's done probably more behind the scenes than he has uh in front of the camera as an actor i believe he did a fair amount with liquid television when that was a thing on mtv oh my Um, gosh yeah and stuff. Remember, remember uh, what, so that was where uh, Eon Flux Aon, was. Yeah, Aon Flu- or Eon Flux, yeah. And, yep. and the head, remember that? Yes, yes. Which was <laughs> the weirdest oh, thing ever. Oh, it was ever. just odd, just odd. Oh, my gosh. Anyways. But, um, but yeah, no, I, I, I think it'll be, I, you know, I think we need that level of goofiness, though. You know, I think, I think it's good to have that sort of comedy, you know, at least try to, to present itself now. Um, to, yeah. to, to give some of that lightheartedness, some of that laughter, which I think we're, we we all very much need. Um, yes. And and these two goofballs, uh, to see them kind of go one more round in, in, in middle age, I, I think will will be really fun to, to watch and see. I think the, the premise on Wikipedia says, now enduring the monotony of middle age life, because there is no trailer for this right now, as you said. Will, yeah. William, Bill, S. Preston, Esquire, and Ted Theodore Logan are warned by a visitor from the future of the need for them to create a song that will save all life on Earth and the entire universe. The pair work with their families, old friends, famous musicians, and each other to complete the task. So I think it's going to be kind of a neat throwback to you know prior characters. I think it's going to be fun. You know, and 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 I think uh, you know fr- from my list there, like you said, there's a number of of horror choices there, uh, which I, I'm not a horror person. I, I just like the the drama um, and 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 some of the um, what's the word I'm looking for? It's not horror, but it's suspense. Suspense. Thank you. Yeah. Um, I was going to say your 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 picks. I I wouldn't say are horror. I mean, for me, I have a much broader definition of that because yeah. I just I, I, like I I am not a that's just like even the stuff that's at the periphery like at the suspenseful edge of horror is tough for me yeah i don't know why it just is yep but so then actually we get into another one of yours uh a quiet place too which i've i've not seen the first one of these i've 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 read about it i think i've seen like actually i think i've seen it so i go to a barber shop all right this is gonna be a <laughs> weird story let me tell you something brother <laughs> I-, I feel like i'm uh, this isn't even this isn't even Hulk Hogan esque. This is like almost going into like like Golden Girls. Like, picture it, Sicily, nineteen fifty two. No, 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 uh, no, no, no. It's it's Jason Sudeikis doing Joe Biden. Back in nineteen tickety talk, I did. <laughs> you almost made me spit my whiskey. Again. Uh, so anyway, so I go to a barbershop, uh, which I will recommend to anybody. Go to a, if if you're well, if you're a guy, go to a barbershop. Actually, if you're a girl and you want to go to a barbershop, go ahead. I don't care. The guy who uh, cuts my hair, great guy. He always has his iPad out and he's playing stuff. And uh, he 
he had like Quiet Place on there one time, and I'm watching it. But of course, I ha- I don't have my glasses on. Okay. Because you, it, it kind of inhibits the haircutting, unless you just want him to cut around your glasses because you don't give a rip. Mm-hmm. Um, so I've got my glasses off, so I can't see a damn thing. So I'm watching a quiet place, with and everything just looks fuzzy. <laughs> <laughs> like all I see are blobs. Oh gosh. I'm like, that could be that could be Krasinski. It might be a tree. I'm not <laughs> sure at this point. Smart puck. So that's the only way that I've actually seen any parts of A Quiet Place is blurry without my glasses on on an iPad while getting my hair cut. Oh, so just to gosh. set the, to let you know how much background I have on this flick. That's funny. Um, but what about what about this one is intriguing to you? So I mean, to, so to give a quick summary, and I would highly recommend you watch it because it it is it really was kind of an amazing work of a film where. Uh, it kind of sounds like what signs should have been well, but gone right instead of wrong. Kind of, but not. So much of the film is done in in literally quiet. There, there yeah. there's no talking going on, and and really what it's about is um, this family who is kind of adapted to this this future where there are uh, yeah there are these aliens that are they're essentially roaming the earth, um, but they can only um, react or respond to to audio uh, to to sound. Okay, so um, so everything they do is predicated on the on the idea of being completely silent because they they can't make noise. Otherwise, they attract them. And and these Mm -hmm. these things are vicious. Like they basically you're you're gone if if you make a sound. You're done. It's over. Mm -hmm. And so that that so that story kind of plays out and it kind of plays out in that way of this family having this kind of life established and and just kind of how things start to fall apart as as the story plays out. Um, so Quiet Place 2 picks up, I think, not too long after the events of, of the first one. And it looks like from the trailer uh, that I saw just before the Super Bowl, they're probably going to do a little bit of a look into the past of when this all started to happen. Um, hmm. Because you see in, in that trailer, you see John Krasinski as part of it and, and stuff, which is which, uh, you know, is kind of interesting. So so we'll 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 kind of get a sense of where they're going with it there i think the biggest thing is the 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 family is now having to completely move out of what they're used to in terms of their Mm -hmm. environment and the safety they 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 try to establish for themselves with this you know with with this with these aliens kind of roaming around however i think it's going to start drawing from um as a tagline would say there there's there's more to be scared of than just that so Hmm. we'll have to see what that is but again that's another one where there's not a whole lot given away. I think the cards are kept pretty close to the to to the vest to, to keep it interesting and to keep it, you know, just fun to watch so that you you know you don't know what's coming. And um, yeah, and 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 there were some very very tough scenes in that first movie. I mean, they they do not shy away from going places where you would think they normally wouldn't go uh, for for that kind of a story, and, and they did it for the purposes of really kind of world building and establishing just how serious this threat is. Uh, for mm-hmm. for people living in in that world, so um, so I'm excited to see where they're going to take it. Uh, you know, very good story for the first one. I, I I trust and hope they can do the same for the second, and it'll be kind of interesting to see where they go with it. Now, is this uh, is this going to be on Netflix or is this actually getting into theaters? Uh, Quiet Place Two, or one? Yeah, Two is going to be in. Two. Oh no, it's going in theaters. It, 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 was, it was really. Oh yeah, it was a big hit. It was a that's in, so that's kind of like the first one that we've seen go kind of that opposite direction of like instead of direct to video now we well I mean now it's direct to streaming because that start that was a Netflix flick no right? no I mean, that, no quiet quiet place was in theaters 
Are you serious? I thought it was just a Netflix. No, no, I, I went. Type thing. No, I went and saw it with my with with my wife um, when it was in theaters. Are you sure you didn't have too many three Floyds? Uh, no, I didn't. <laughs> I'm just. Uh, I had I'm, I I'm, had I'm, zero three Floyds when I went to the movie. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe you should have tried. Uh, maybe it would have made that. it that much freakier if I had. I don't know. Oh, it it probably would have. You wouldn't have been quiet. You're like, what's going on? <laughs> Anyways. And then people would be yelling, like, it's called a quiet place. Be quiet. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Shut up. Oh, man. All right. So, we, we've yacked enough about mine. Let's let's go through yours and uh, and, and then well, so, get to the fun stuff of what we don't want to see. Yeah. So, I I mean, so kind of going back to uh, uh, first one, I mean, No Time to Die. I, I, have, I have been a huge, huge fan of Daniel Craig as, as James Bond. Mm-hmm. I think... I mean, even um, uh, Quantum of Solace, which a lot of people were like, "Ah, that's kind of a weak movie." I, I, I think it's a, I think it's actually a really good James Bond movie, and I think it's actually a good, a good action movie these days because everything is like two hours, whereas that movie was pretty tight. It was a just a quick, self-contained story, and I, I've kind of like, I kind of dug the fact that like the, the Bond girl, uh, you know, per se wasn't like oh yeah he's just out to sleep with her and all like she was kind of almost you know like there was there was definitely more of a story arc with the two of them in that in that flick ah, okay. um uh so i mean i've been i've loved all of those movies even specter which i felt was a little little weak still to me is is better than 75 percent of the other bond movies you know people like oh yeah specter was horrible i'm like did you see some of the roger moore movies yeah um because they were just goofy as all get out i i really i'm up for this one i mean this is i'm i'm always up for kind of like you know the grizzled old veterans last ride you know one more one more time around sort of thing and we know this is daniel craig's last flick they kind of they really kind of had to feel i feel like they kind of twisted his arm and were like hey yeah Here's a here's a number. If you don't like this number, you go ahead and write whatever number you want. <laughs> and, and that's the number you're going to get right. to just kind of tie this whole thing together. And I like the fact that it's been one arc for this James Bond instead of a bunch of different little stories. Just kind just of kinda random like, stories, yeah. Yeah, I've really enjoyed this. I mean, I'm up for this. I mean, one more ride in the Aston Martin, yes, yes just i'm 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 in i'm in for for shame to me i i have actually yet um i mean i've never really been a big james bond person i i did i i did have a period of kind of watching a lot of the the roger moore ones um Mm -hmm. back when like like sometime in the late 80s early i think it was early 90s abc during the summer because you know of course no one's watching tv in the summer at least back then um you know, would, would actually have these on on like Sunday evenings. And it was like, it was just walking through all of the Roger Moore, James Bonds, like all summer long. So I used to like watch those and, um, and they were really interesting. Yeah. I mean, it was just, it was, it was kind of like just, Oh, so, so this is what the world is like. I don't think so. Um, but, yeah. but, but it was, um, you know, it was just kind of taking you to, to, to just a different place. And for Daniel Craig, it, I, I have yet to watch them, but when I see the trailers, really, you haven't seen any of them. I haven't seen any of them. Oh, dude! Honestly. Just start at Casino Royale and watch them in sequence. Like it is, there's a there's a total arc for this Bond, yeah, which has not existed in other. I mean, they, like I think Roger Moore's was the closest to it, where they actually had a couple characters in common. Jaws, in like two, yeah, that was like the one, <laughs> and 
but this has actually been a, an actual arc for this character. Oh, interesting. It's, okay. Yeah, dude, it, it's so worthwhile. All right, like, I'll, I'll have to check it out. I mean, it, it looks like it was a different Bond because it had an edge to it. You know what I mean? Like, like mm-hmm. I, I, I've, I've read uh, different reviews about it, what people have liked about it. It sounds interesting. I just, you know, it's one of those things, can, can you get your energy up enough to, to sit down and plop down for two hours and watch it? And I just haven't. So I will I think if you, uh, take if you it under advice. If you watch Casino Royale, you'll be in. Like so, they right. they tried to kind of go darker with Bond mm-hmm. uh, when Timothy Dalton took over for Roger Moore, and they tried to kind of go gritty then, and it just didn't fit with the time period. Yeah. And then when they when they brought in Daniel Craig, they it just it was the right time, and it was the right actor too. I think Daniel Craig has been fantastic as Bond. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I'm I'm totally in on that one. Uh, and then uh, Wonder Woman 1984, uh, which, uh, a.k.a. the only property DC and Warner Brothers have yet to screw up, but hey, there's still time. The, basically, the only way that you can top the 80s vibe from Thor Ragnarok was to do what they did, which is to set the flick in the 80s, Yeah, yep. uh, which was fantastic. And in and, and the trailer, just a couple moments from that, which were awesome, like... Uh, Gal Gadot getting out of the limo with like the white flowy dress I was like that was like a total Linda Carter moment mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and I'm like yes perfect like that uh, that is that is c- so cool yeah you know yeah. like just elegant and like you're like yes wait a minute hang on a minute are you sure that was Gal Gadot and not Linda yeah um, yeah and then of course we get uh, Chris Pine back with a fanny pack because well, I mean, you can't hit a home run every time, but otherwise, it looks fantastic. Yeah, and just the the just the overall visuals and everything, and it. I mean, I'm so glad. Uh, oh my gosh, I can't remember what her what the director's name is. I'm feeling horrible for this. Hang on a second. I I, I, I hear you doing the clicky clicky, so I because I think you're doing some deep research. Oh, for crying out loud! I I I will just say I, while you're looking for, uh, yeah, yes, please. I, 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 you know, here's another case of of me being behind the times. Um, I have yet to see Wonder Woman. I need to. What? Yep. So, you know, just beat me over the head. Um, <sighs> I know, but the trailer looks intriguing. I, I, I have to admit, and and I agree with you. I think out of all the characters of from DC, they have managed to keep uh, Wonder Woman interesting and. Uh, and and just you know just just looking like something that I would be wanting to invest some time into as opposed to and I'm looking squarely at Batman v Superman so um, mm. but oh another another offender with like hey here's the whole movie in two and a half minutes so you don't get surprised by anything oh my Thanks. gosh that was just so, awful anyways did uh, are you done with the clicky clicky are you back yes all right the, please the director Patty Jenkins who directed the first Wonder Woman, ah. who was, I mean, it's it, 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 it's one of those, like, bloody obvious things. Like, hey, here's, a, here's like, one of the strongest female superhero leads ever. Hey, how about we have it directed by a woman? Mm-hmm. Because there is, like, a butt-ton of, like, really well-qualified, immensely talented women directors out there. Oh, yeah. Why don't we give this one to her? Mm-hmm. Hey, go figure. It turns out to make, like, all the money. Um, so they 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 let her, uh, but then there was even like somewhat of a debate whether or not she was going to come back, whether DC wanted her back. I'm like, are you serious? Like the one movie that hasn't sucked, <laughs> and you're asking a question on this? Are you kidding me? It really is. Sign like, her I just up. Pictured the, I just picture the board meeting going like, you know, we have all these popular characters. How are we gonna How are we gonna mess this up, gentlemen? <laughs> like, like, good lord, just 
back up a dump truck of money to her house and just let her do this. As a matter of fact, let her do all the movies. Look, I don't care if it takes thirty years. She seems to know what she's doing. Look, look, look. as opposed to the yuck, you know, the chuckleheads you've been hiring so far. Right. I, I'm, I'm, I'm sure one of the things they're saying is, look, Aquaman didn't do so bad. We gotta screw things up more. We're getting too close to Marvel. Um, I know. <laughs> what's, what's going to happen if we actually start making good movies? Holy moly. Gentlemen, we have to solve this. Yes, yes. Oh um, so I, I'm looking forward to that. That just looks like it looks like a lot of fun. Um, but I also I also dug the chemistry between Chris Pine and and Gal Gadot. And mm-hmm. and honestly, wonder the the scene in Wonder Woman, uh, uh, Wonder Woman No Man's Land, the No Man's Land scene mm-hmm. in, in mm-hmm. the origin in the first Wonder Woman is to this day one of my favorite superhero movie moments it is just phenomenal and it's not just the action sequence it's the moments leading up to it okay because there is just this like like gut-wrenching moment and the emotion that comes out uh with through gal gadot is just amazing and just then it leads to this moment where she just like kicks all the ass it's awesome you okay have, dude you gotta watch you gotta watch that. i will check it out i will say the other, um, the other thing i liked in the trailer was the mall scenes look kind of like like yes. a complete a, a perfect re- recreation similar well, it's the 84 you got to have a mall in there somewhere si- similar because because they just did this on i think uh yeah it was season three of stranger things was was right in the middle of of the 1980s or it was like 86 87 and man mm-hmm. did they capture the essence of the mall back then Oh yeah, so all like oh, white marble and tile, neon, and neon. Yes. Oh my god, <laughs> oh, god. incredible! And people want to go back to that. I don't. I don't get it. To the good old uh, days. And then uh, after that, I had a. I mean, a Pixar's Soul, mm-hmm. which mm-hmm. I mean, dude, I'm pretty much in for whatever Pixar wants to do. They always find this like strong emotional center for their stories. They aren't afraid to take chances yeah. and, and afraid to go to go kind of real deep mm-hmm. to really cut you deep with some of this stuff. I mean, good lord, the beginning of Up, jeez, oh my gosh, just kick me in the you know you know what if, like if, within five seconds of the movie opening. If it wasn't dusty in the room for you, oh, you may need to reevaluate priorities. Like, Holy moly, my hay fever kicked up like a mother during that. <laughs> um, it was the weirdest thing. And unfortunately, I didn't have any Claritin. But, I mean, the other thing is they always get really great performances from the actors. Mm-hmm. And that's not easy because some people just definitely mail it in when it's a voiceover. They they really get great performances mm-hmm. from actors. And I'm, I mean, especially the fact that this has a musical tie-in is, I'm, yeah, I'm in. I'm all, okay, yep, just take all my money now. Um, and then, of course, the, the last one on my list, Top Gun Maverick. Uh, I got to say... I was completely prepared and braced to hate this movie. Mm-hmm. I was ready, man. I was ready to to like, okay, I, I'm gonna. This is gonna be a great Facebook rant. I'm I'm ready. But as soon as like that opening tones of the theme, like that, and then all of a sudden Ed Harris's voiceover comes in, I'm like, oh damn it, they're doing it. They're pulling me in. Yeah, it's like I'm in a tractor beam. Like son of a. And and one thing I've kind of come to realize after after we've discussed and I've I've seen Star Wars: The Last Jedi is that I'm I'm really kind of a sucker for seeing the cocky, callow hero become this old, grizzled, and disillusioned person. Mm-hmm. And and seeing that happen to Maverick, I'm like, oh yeah, yeah, okay, I'm in. 
just yeah. take me again one more ride and i mean the flying scenes look amazing and i mean uh, the whole freaking package and then of course at the end of it then they show the f-14 flying mm -hmm. which i mean i was always i was that kid who who knew all the fighter planes and stuff when he was growing up because i was a i was a fat kid growing up that's what i did <laughs> But I mean, the F-14 was retired in 2006. Yeah. For all of you who know the, the the Top Gun plane, the you know the the one that had the swing wings that Maverick flew in the first, they, that plane hasn't been in service since 2006. So they showed that at the end of the trailer. So either there's a flashback or something, or maybe like something happens at the end. Or I don't know, but I just saw that and I'm like, yeah. damn it, they completely turned me around. I was I wanted to hate this movie, and now. I'm going to see when I can buy a ticket for this movie. I'm going to this is on the list. This is one of the ones I'm scheduling on my calendar. All right. They got me. All right. I I, I have a different sense, but <laughs> I and I'm sure you do. So with that, let's switch over to the other side. Let's let's bring in the dark storm cloud and talk about the movies that we don't need to see, aka the worst. Mm -hmm. That idea is just the worst. So let's start off with you again, sir. What are your five movies? Uh, five movies that you least need to see this uh, this coming year. So from from the list that I was looking at, um, and, and there there was one that was I, I think not not on, on not on the Rotten Tomatoes list, but I threw it in there anyways because it just annoyed me. Um, was uh, at number one, Spiral, uh, mm. which is the Saw reboot with uh, Chris Rock. Uh, is it a reboot or is it because it doesn't seem like so much as a reboot as a it almost feels like a sequel. I, it, honestly, I'm not even sure. I, I can't say that I actually watched the trailer. It's just the the <laughs> idea of it. Just I'm like, eh, you know, just just not 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 doing it for me. Yeah. Uh, then number two was uh, the Fast and Furious nine, just because Oof. I can't believe it's taken nine movies um, and they're still going. Uh, yeah. Not 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 to mention John Cena <laughs> playing the villain. So well, of course, you know, you knew they'd get around to this. The the only way uh, I mean, once you once you pulled in Jason Statham, it's only a matter of time before John Cena comes. You know, just wandering around trying to hump someone's leg to get apart. <laughs> I mean, that's it's gonna happen. Okay, absolutely it's gonna happen. Well, and it's probably the only way Cena will ever be a heel. So. Um, that's Ooh. there there's there's that so ouch at number three i i had number three i had top gun maverick oh you son of a and number four uh I, I put this one down mainly because i as we talked before the show i i happened to see a trailer for this at some movie i was going to see and it was so amazingly odd um it's called <laughs> barb and star go to vista del mar um it, it looks like a Saturday Night Live sort of character-driven story, um, but you never see the faces of the characters, and they sound really kind of kooky, and I just was like, oh, okay, I don't see myself watching this ever. So, yeah, uh, had to make the list. And, and I actually watched the trailer for that one, which is more than I could say for the other three that I've... I, I, Maverick I've seen, um, and Maverick doesn't annoy me as much, but maybe I should have put Barb and Star a little bit higher on the list. Um, and then the last one was Venom 2, which uh, I had no idea was actually coming out until I walked the list. And I didn't read very good things about Venom 1, um, and I'm just assuming it's going to be 
on par unless they've made some major changes to who is doing the story. So that those are my five. What are your five, sir? Uh, my five would be Call of the Wild, the uh, new Harrison Ford flick, Trolls World Tour, Legally Blonde 3, F9, otherwise known as Fast and Furious 9, Which and Coming to the number two, America. Ah, okay. F- so, F9, not to be confused with Brock Lesnar's F5. So, Well, yeah, it's, it's almost that <laughs> twice, except it's on my soul. <laughs> oh, so, my gosh. The thing is, all right, so let me let me go a little bit first you, here. Uh, just for the record here, you pick two quasi-children's mo- movies to pick on here. I just, I just want to point that out. Which one would be the second quasi? Because I know Trolls is totally... Isn't Call of the Wild in, like a kid's movie or no? No. So uh, Call of the Wild is based on the Jack London book. Oh, um, right, 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 right. Okay, and, and it, never mind. I, I mean, I guess it could be. I don't know what it's rated. I don't know if it's if it's been rated yet. Um, so, I mean, this movie has gotten a couple... This book has gotten a couple of movie adaptations. And it seems like this is kind of the same story... Uh, as the others, where they grab a certain section of the book rather than the entire book, which makes sense because anytime you're adapting a book to a screenplay, there's it's just too much. Mm-hmm. In most books, there's too much information to put into a screenplay, so you end up cutting out a bunch of crap, which is why a lot of book adaptation movies suck. Real simple answer for you. There you go. No need to write a term paper on it. Uh, the thing is with this one, I'm really not sure that I need to see Harrison Ford dial his grizzle up to 11 and wander around with what appears to be a CGI dog. Okay. I'm pretty sure we saw all of this in The Force Awakens with Chewie. I mean, the the, the visuals look beautiful. Mm -hmm. Like, the scenery looks beautiful and all that, but it's a CGI dog. I just, eh, doesn't do anything for me. I mean, Trolls World Tour, I mean, I'm sad to say that I have seen the first Trolls movie because I have a child. Oh. And, and, well, and I actually I actually own this on Blu-ray, and the only reason I own it on Blu-ray is because it was on sale and it was cheaper than taking us to the movies to see it. Mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. I did kind of win in a way, even though I still lost, because I did have to watch it. Okay. And... Uh, good Lord, I don't, I don't need this, and I'm... I'm putting this on here because I might end up in, I might end up watching it at some point, and I'm I'm hating myself in advance for it. Oh boy! Um, Legally Blonde three. I understand. My only that com- one. my only comment on that is like really. Yeah. That's it. That's all I got. Because yeah. I didn't. I haven't even seen the first two Legally Blonde movies, and I don't like them. I didn't know a third one was required. I also didn't know there was a Trolls movie. So, uh, well, I'm, oh yeah, you you, you, you are educating me all over the place. God bless you for that, sir. You are a lucky man. Um, <laughs> F9. I need another Fast and Furious movie like Vin Diesel needs another steroid injection. <laughs> like, gosh. I mean, I oh, I would say that this franchise has jumped the shark. I'm almost positive that that was an actual stunt three movies ago. I mean, yes. this has to be like... Right up there with Die Hard for the most recklessly sequeled movie ever. Mm-hmm. I mean, I I would rather see a Hot Wheels movie at this point than another Fast and Furious movie. And it seems like, like with, with every new one that comes out, they're they're coming up with some 
unbelievably not possible way to jump a car across a canyon while it's well, attached and, to a rope to a helicopter yeah. or sh- or plane of some kind and somehow landing. Yeah, and the, the, the this is the same problem that Die Hard suffers from. Like it's it's a contained hero. It's a hero who's always up against impossible odds in the wrong place at the wrong time. But you can't start expanding it exponentially because at a certain point it's like, yeah, it is, it's all to do with cars. Like, yeah. when are we going to get like, you know, Vin Diesel driving on the moon? Like, what is that? Is that F ten? It could because be. if it is, you know, please, asteroid, just come and take us now. I'm done. We're we have we have peaked. Actually, we peaked a long time ago, and now we're on the downward slide. Like giant asteroid, just take us now. That's all I'm asking. Like apparently before we get to F ten. Apparently, in the trailer, uh, oh. there's the appearance of a character about midway through who I... I didn't even watch the trailer. Is that bad? No, no, no. <laughs> I, I didn't watch the trailer for any of mine, or, or at least one of them. <laughs> um, so, apparently, uh, there's a character that shows up midway through who is from, like, the Tokyo Drift one, which is, like, three or four. Oh, yeah, that was, like, the un- that was like the, f- the one they wanted everyone to forget about. <laughs> yeah, or something like that. And, and it- it's, like cousin, it's like the cousin Oliver yeah. and, <laughs> of Fast and Furious movie. And apparently uh, th- that was supposed to be, like, a huge reveal. So unless you're one of the people that, you know, really follows the movies, uh, it, it really had no impact to me. I'm just watching it like I don't know who this guy is, but he must be a big deal because they're all acting kind of weird about his appearance. It was just it was just weird. I'm just like, oh, my yeah. gosh, enough enough yeah and then of course we get to coming to america and i have to emphasize that because i mean we're doing the we're doing we're we're hitting the point now with like fantastic you remember that one or fan fortastic i don't know oh, how you yes. pronounce it yeah where we're, we're trying way too hard with a really cheeky naming device mm-hmm. but man i mean i haven't seen my name is dolomite which apparently I, I believe Eddie Murphy is in and he he produced and all that. And he's had I don't want to try and trash Eddie Murphy because Eddie Murphy, I mean, for all of his, for all the Pluto Nashes of his in his history. Or what was it? Pluto Nash. Yeah. Yeah, it was Pluto Nash. OK, I, I'm, I'm getting that confused with Nash Bridges, which is going to really confuse people. But, you know, you have enough Davidson Reserve. Also not pff- good. It's all it also connect. It all connects. But you for all his unevenness. The dude had so many brilliant, like comedy bits, specials, and movies early in his career that you kind we all kind of pretend like some of the the later stuff doesn't happen. But unfortunately, we're not dealing with like trading places, coming to America, and um, forty eight hours Eddie Murphy anymore. Right. It's like trying to pretend, and this this might hurt everybody a little bit, but it's like we're trying to pretend that 2008 Tom Brady is going to come running out of the tunnel. Mm-hmm. It ain't happening, folks. Father Time marches on. Although, uh, I did watch the repeat of Saturday Night Live last night, which mm-hmm. was with Eddie Murphy. Oh, yeah. his And, and he was on. He, totally. Oh, my gosh. He was, you could just see the energy in him. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. he was all over it, and he was fantastic. And the thing is, I give him a lot of credit. I mean, he could have he could have been one of those guys who just like pounds the same stuff into the ground. Mm-hmm. And he's taken some chances, like the the Norbert stuff, and and some of the things that he's done, he has taken legit chances. Mm-hmm. And and some of those have paid off. Like uh, when he was in, oh my gosh, what was the? He's been in a couple of flicks where he's had some amazing parts, and he's been kind of a bit player. And even even Harlem Nights, mm-hmm. which which was kind of. Uh, 
panned a little bit, but I've watched it. I've watched it a couple times, and you know what? It's not a gr- it's not a fantastic movie, but it's awesome just because you get you get him, you get Red Fox in it, you get Richard Pryor in it, and it's like, damn, there is like three generations of great comics, and uh, I mean, if yeah, uh, it just to have them in one movie, mm-hmm. even if it's an even if it's a meh movie, is still an achievement. Yeah, yeah, you know, and it, and it, and you know, still hold you know, you shot off my big toe. Uh, moment it was fantastic. Yeah. Um, but oh, anyway, yeah. this one, uh, I just, man, I love me some coming to America. Yeah. I love me some coming to America. I am so scared of this movie. <laughs> I am so scared because I just don't want it ruined, man. Yeah. I don't. Yeah. I don't want it ruined. I really don't. And I have, this is one of those ones where I'm like, I kind of don't want to see it, but yet I'm really hope I'm, I'm pulling for Eddie. I really am. This is this is kind of I'm 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 kind of hedging my bets here I guess a little bit. Well, maybe with a reinvigorated Eddie Murphy, it could work. I'm hoping. It, I'm it, hoping. it could work. And I mean, they've got Arsenio Hall, they've got James Earl Jones. Yep. <sighs> they've got a uh, oh my gosh, I'm I'm completely sp- spacing on his name. He was uh, Leo McDowell. Um Oh, uh He was in he was in Die Hard 2. Uh, he was in Good Times. Oh my gosh, I I'm I should look this up. Hey, how about that? I think I know who you're talking about, but I can't remember his name either. We'll either edit this part out or it'll just be an exhibit of how f- how unprepared we are. Coming to America. Are you talking about the father from Good Times? Yes. Um, uh, what the heck was his name? I'm going to beat you to it. I'm going to beat you to no, it. No, you're not. Uh, you're not going to do I'm it. Because I can't John Amos. <laughs> John Amos. Yeah! Son of a mother! I thought that was his name, and I just didn't say it because I didn't want to say the wrong name. Thank you very much. Yes. I will take my prize at the end of the show. Fine. <laughs> All right. Fine. Uh, but yes, John Amos. Is, I mean, they've got they've got like so they've got the band back together, man. Mm-hmm. And it's I I I'm damn I'm I'm hopeful. I'm really just hopeful. I'm hoping that it doesn't go badly. Yeah. Yeah. <sighs> You walk down, but you limp back. Um, <laughs> so for for yeah, so for um, to go to a completely different movie reference. No, no, but 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 for for the ones that you listed, I, I think the only one out of them that I might disagree with a little bit is Call of the Wild because it looked kind of interesting to me. Although I will say I'm curious how a movie like that plays to today's audience because I feel like stories like that, like. Um, I remember there was was a TV show or a movie called like Jeremiah Johnson. Um, there, there there seemed to be like certain movies that were all about these kind of. Um, yeah, that was a really old flick, though. Oh yeah, that, I mean, yeah. Did they do a remake of it? No, no, no. It, it was Robert Redford. It was from back in the seventies. But yeah. um, you know, just that outdoorsman kind of roaming the woods story mm-hmm. sort of thing. I you know I don't know how relatable that is to people now. You know I don't know. Well, it seems like the thing they aggravated me about it is they were really playing up the dog angle. Like they were almost trying to yeah. make it about the dog. Yeah. And I mean, it's been a long. I actually I read that book a long time ago. I want to say I read that book like sixth seventh grade or something like that. Mm-hmm. And I haven't I haven't read any Jack London since. Um, but. It seems like they're trying to play it up as like, hey, it's almost like you know Marley, and me, Marley and me, but in the Yukon. Yeah. No, I, I, I don't really remember it that way. And the fact that it's a CGI dog, I'm like, no, 
Yeah. I'm good. Yeah. I'm good. Yeah. So so the, from your list, that's the only one I think I would try to see if, if I if I really were to, you know, feel yeah. strongly about it. But for So now tell me about tell me about Top Gun Maverick, because I've got I'm I'm gonna try and I'm gonna try and turn you around on this one. You've you've gotta come back to me. Come back to me. Um Talk to me, Goose. Talk to me, Goose. Well, there, there's an element with, with the ones that I picked, you know, Spiral, Fast and Furious Nine, Top Gun Maverick, Venom Two. That you, you, you hate sequels, I get. You it. can't help but feel that it is a bit of a cash grab of sorts. You know, like like for Spiral, the the Saw franchise to me is an example of what happens when you come up with a really ingenious gimmick and mm-hmm. then you beat it into the ground. <laughs> oh, totally. <laughs> you know what I totally. mean? Totally. And it's like I don't think we need to go back there anymore. The the whole gimmick of there's some you know, psychopath who is putting people through these like crazy, you know, mazes, which will all end up in, in, you know, a bad way, no matter what they do. Um, mm-hmm. It's just, it, it, it's like enough. Come, come up with something new. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's, it's like, rather than coming up with new ways of, 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 you know, the, the horror aspect of it, it's just like come up with, with a new story, you know, or something interesting. Well, so the thing that the thing that I was intrigued with, and again, I think I've watched maybe five minutes of of any of the Saw movies because, again, I'm I, that's totally not my. I, I've just read about them. I haven't watched them either, but from what I've read, I mean, the first two maybe sound intriguing, but after that, it's like, guys, mm-hmm. come on, enough. <laughs> well, I think the original idea was they were coming out with one of these per year, which I I kind of in a way I was like okay that's an interesting gimmick like yeah. rapid fire horror movie like we're going to do these fast and cheap and it's going to be edgy all right but after a while you you kind of burn out on that mm-hmm. and I think mm-hmm. they did and then they then it kind of lost its way I'm interested in this one peripherally cuz this was on my honorable mentions for for flicks that I kind of was like interested about mm-hmm. but again it's because it's not my genre uh, I'm 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 interested because Chris Rock is so heavily involved in this one. Mm. Like, I guess he's producing. He might have even had like a. St- he might even be involved in the story itself, and then he's starting starring in it. When you have someone, I mean, Chris Rock in movies has been a mixed bag to say the least. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, but I mean, he he is a has a certain amount of cachet, shall we say. Mm-hmm. When someone's willing to invest that much in it, and then you have Sam Jackson involved, mm-hmm. who I mean, was he? I don't even remember he was even in the trailer. Like I don't even remember seeing him in the trailer, which was kind of odd. Like I'm, yeah. you got Sam Jackson, you don't show him, and and Chris Rock is not playing like in, in most movies. Chris Rock is playing Chris Rock. He's kind of like Nicolas Cage in that way. Like yeah, you get him with a different haircut. Yeah, that's really all you get. Yeah, he wasn't really playing Chris Rock. Mm-hmm. Like it was a different cat altogether, so that that in and of itself isn't is enough to intrigue me. But I also get what you're saying. Like it is like okay, what is this saw like eleven? Yeah, something like that. Yeah. I mean, okay, enough is enough. But anyway, I mean, that, was, that was my only bit on that. And and so I call it a cash grab only because if if it's really just about there's an audience that you know is going to come and pay money to watch this, then that's really all it is at that point. You're you're just coming up with new people to plug into it. But it's it's kind well, of the same old formula. Well, I mean, but and, and again, just to play you know Hollywood's devil's advocate, sure. which I mean, <clears throat> they don't really need that because they got enough of those. Um, but isn't isn't that kind of the key for any movie? Like you're just trying to put the right people in with the right story 
to get people to get a, as Jr. once said, good old Jr. once said, an ass every 14 inches. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I mean, that's kind of the the name of the game at the studio level. Sure, sure. And 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 again, I mean, and we can go back to like Ghostbusters Afterlife. Like, I'm sure when Jason Reitman was going in and pitching that, he's not like, I just want to make this loving movie for my dad. He's like, No, we're gonna make some money for you guys, right? Because we're gonna do this and this and this and this. Right, right. I don't know. I kind of feel like Chris Rock might have this like attachment to this material. And again, I've, I haven't read anything on it to prove that, but it feels like he's pretty heavily invested in this. Yeah. I mean, it it, so, it, it could end up being okay. Maybe. Yeah. Um, you know, p- part of it is that sort of horror is not my bag, um, yeah. w- which plays into it somewhat. Uh, it's not my bag, baby. But, uh, you know, it, it it's also, as we've talked about, you know, having – <laughs> what's going on Sorry. over there <laughs> that that was the cork that wasn't gas okay just... just just checking um but but you know having an original and an in, intriguing story i think is is at least something that that i kind of look for you know with 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 yeah. these sorts of films so um and that kind of brings us to the top gun oh no top, I, the, i'm gonna turn you around on the, this i'm the, gonna the top gun movie which is i i just I don't know. I, I I guess I could see it going in a direction the way that that you're seeing it go. Um, I just I just don't know if I really care at this point. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like it it Fair top, top Gun is just one of those that you know. There's certain franchises that I connect with. Um, mm-hmm. That is one that I just uh, it's there, but it's not one that I'm you know watching on replay on heavy rotation at any point in time. You know what I mean? So. Um, probably it could have gone lower in my list. I, I, putting it at number three was probably a bit too high because it's not like I have a, a seething hatred for it, uh, like I yeah. do for Barb and Star. But, um, <laughs> Ooh. but I don't even know if you want to waste your time having a seething hatred for that. Yeah. Like, save that for Venom 2 or something. That's true. That's true. Actually, no, save that for Fast and Furious. Yeah, definitely. Because you're going to need that because there's, uh, there's a ton of people that you know will go see that. Oh, of course they will. Of course they will. I guess I think that the the thing that is interesting to me mm-hmm. with with Top Gun is like the idea of those. Okay, so uh, and this maybe this will this is kind of a mini and another thing. But anyone who hasn't read this, and I found this uh, I found this at a used bookstore. Uh, I read back when I was in it might have been grade school. Again, I was a geek growing up, and I loved planes and stuff like that. I read uh, Chuck Yeager's autobiography, and I recently found another copy of it because the original copy that I had was paperback, and it fell apart because I read it so many times. And the idea of these pilots, he was a pilot who he never, he didn't necessarily think he was ever going to become a general, and then he became a general and realized, oh, you don't fly as a general. And he actually found a way around that so that he could still fly as a general, and then he ended up retiring when he kind of realized, like, I'm not going to be able to fly anymore. He always just wanted to fly. That's what he wanted to do. He loved flying. And, and for those who don't know, Chuck Yeager was the first, um, first person to become, he's most famous for breaking the sound barrier. Right. He's the first person to exceed Mach 1 in the speed of sound mm-hmm. in, the, in the Bell X-1 uh, uh, at Edwards Air Force Base, California, back in, uh, I want to say it was the late 40s, early 50s. I feel ashamed that I don't know this off the top of my head because, like, like eighth eighth grade me would have kicked my butt for not knowing that. Um, <laughs> but he he was also he was a highly decorated 
uh, World War II pilot. He was the first person to ever become an ace in a day on one mission. He shot down five planes. He was the first person to ever do that. He was the first person who was ever shot down uh, behind enemy lines mm. and then escaped and then was sent back into service because before that uh, they didn't want to send anyone who had escaped uh, through France because th- there was a chance they might betray the French resistance at that point who were fighting against the Nazis. And then when they became, he went all the way up to Dwight Eisenhower, hmm. who was the, the allied commander in Europe, and, and, and went in front of him to go back and fight some more. Okay. He then uh, was a test. He was uh, then a test pilot. He went and he was a. Uh, he fought in the Korean War, fought in the Vietnam War. Uh, he was just an amazing story. But the idea of these pilots who—that's what just what they they live for flying. Yeah. They live for flying, and that's what I see with Maverick is just this guy who's like. You know, you ought to be a two-star admiral by now, but here you are a captain. Right. You right. know, that whole idea of, like, he just wants to fly, and he just doesn't know, you know, he never quite knew what to do with himself except fly and survive. Right. Something about that just resonates with me, and mm-hmm. I don't understand necessarily what it is because that's not necessarily my life. Yeah, yeah. So well, and, and I think there's an interesting story there. There's an interesting character there. Yeah, and that was kind of with Star, you know, the original Star Trek, those movies. That was kind of the the, the tale of, of Kirk, right? Was yes, he yeah, he exactly. he couldn't be an admiral because he wanted to be in the action. You know what I mean? Yeah, and you know, so so I I, I can certainly understand that, and 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 can see how that would be, you know, interesting as a story. Um, you know, from 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 that perspective, I. I just don't know if they're just going too deep on fan service with, you know, bringing like I think they're bringing Val Kilmer back. Right. I've heard that, but I don't know how that's going to work, because uh, from what I've heard, I mean, Val Kilmer really can't even like speak at this point. Like his voice is trashed because of the different surgeries he's had. Okay. Okay. I want to say he's had throat cancer. Oh, geez. I'm not sure what it was, but I mean, so he was. He was in uh, Jay and Silent Bob reboot. Okay, okay. And he plays, so in the movie, of course, they're rebooting uh, Blunt Man and Chronic, which is kind of like, again, this is like so like in-depth, mm-hmm. like in in like such a niche movie. But so there's these characters that are based off of characters that are based off of characters. It's like Inception three levels deep, <laughs> and then they go four levels deep. Um, so Val Kilmer plays basically uh silent bob and so he doesn't have to speak in the movie and that's who they pick to play oh um, so. okay interesting interesting okay so, yeah so so i um like i said I, I i think my my desire to not see that film is not as strong as the others um i mm-hmm. i could see giving it a shot um, but at the same time, I'm, you know, I'm not a big Tom Cruise guy. Um, don't know if it's going to turn into fan service international with this one or not. Uh, mm-hmm. which, you know, says something coming from me when, you know, I'm, I'm, you know, drooling all over what they did with star Wars. Um, <laughs> with, with, I mean, with, you with, are with, with rise yeah. of Skywalker, you know, it's like, I, I, I can't be complaining about fan service and then being like, Oh, that movie was fabulous. Um, but I wasn't going to point it out, but you know. hey, you know, uh, we're all walking contradictions in some way. Um, the heart wants what the heart wants. The, the heart wants what the heart wants. Um, <laughs> so yeah, we'll 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 see. We'll see if this turns into yeah. uh, 
turn turns into the hit that uh that you hope it will be yeah and we don't need to talk about barb and star go to vista del mar because honestly i don't know anything about that but from the your description it totally sounds like uh, a night at the roxbury superstar what was the leonard what was the the stuart smalley oh like that they tried to do i don't remember i don't remember oh I think it was best forgotten on direct to video was the title of it. Um, they just admitted defeat right out the bu- right out the gate. So I I will leave it at the bottom of the list. Although probably Top Gun should have gone down there, uh, given given my my hatred for Star and Barb, which has only grown since we've talked. So um, <laughs> it's like me reviewing a Roman Reigns match. Like <laughs> you know what? Negative. <laughs> But it seems like you feel about Top Gun Maverick sort of like I did about coming to America. Like, yeah. you, you're kind of almost like there's a little bit of a fingers crossed, like, man, yeah. I don't really, but I'm kind of holding out a little bit of hope. Yes, yes. All right, so I feel I feel good that I feel like I've turned you around a little bit, even though I probably haven't at all. I um, haven't committed any dollars to this, so uh, until I put money where my mouth is, uh, I would say I'm still on the fence. I might buy you a ticket. I, I, you know, you just might see that pop in. Well, my my birthday's in July, so shoot. But anyway, <laughs> that's that's my last bit. So you know what? Let's move on <laughs> to and another thing. Uh-huh. And another thing. So, sir, why don't you start us out on this and uh, and tell us what your and another thing is for this uh, this episode? Well, I am uh, jumping over into the book realm. Uh, I'm and I I'm actually mm-hmm. still in the process of uh, reading. Hang on, let me put my whiskey into a brandy snifter to feel fancy. I think you should. <laughs> um, <laughs> Love it. Um, good show. Good show. Good, good show. Good show. Uh, so the book is Mobituaries by Mo Rocca. So if you're familiar oh. with Mo Rocca, he was a, uh, a, a kind of standard bearer of The Daily Show, and he is now mm-hmm. uh, a CBS Sunday morning correspondent. He is a humorist, a uh, writer. Uh, he shows up from time to time on NPR's uh, Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me, which is a callback to another an, and another thing that I shared uh, a while back. That's right. But this book is, uh, he apparently has always loved obituaries and reading about the remarkable lives of global leaders, Hollywood heavyweights, and innovators who changed the world. But not every notable life has gotten the send-off it deserves. So his quest to right the, the, that wrong inspired Mobituaries, his n- number one hit podcast. Now with Mobituaries, the book, he has gone much further with all new essays on artists, entertainers, sports stars, political pioneers, founding fathers, and more. Even if you know the names, you've never understood why they matter until now. So as I've been reading this, um, it, it's really these like like the way I describe it to my wife is it's almost like you're reading kind of a quasi history book of sorts. But it's about mm-hmm. people from different points in time who did some significant things. But for whatever reason, history has not you know, given them the focus, you know what I mean? Hmm. And, um, you know, so for example, there's, uh, he talks a little bit about Herbert Hoover. He talks a little bit about James Quincy Adams, um, you know, kind of talking about men who did a lot in their pre-presidency versus their post-presidency. Um, mm-hmm. He talks about this, uh, this baseball team that was created, I think, oh gosh, I just read it and now I completely am blanking on what country it was, but it was basically, it was either in Cuba or somewhere in Central America, but basically this 
this dictator um, hired a bunch of like Satchel Paige and a bunch of different baseball players to come down and play on his team for one season. So he's writing about that team because they only really lasted for one season. Um, <laughs> and just, and just, you know, yeah. kind of, kind of the fact that you had these big, you know, these guys who became big, you know, baseball stars as a part of it. Um, mm-hmm. and, and, and helping his, you know, he basically did it as like a gift for his son or something. So he had like a championship team. And of course that team won the championship for that year. Um, pro- <laughs> pro- probably the, the opposing team on threat of death, but, um, but, 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 but things like that, you know, he talks about like Ada Lovelace, who is, uh, a woman who, you know, is credited for being really the first computer scientist, but no one really knows a lot about her story. So he's really yeah. kind of writing about these people who have just kind of flown under the radar of, of you know, what history holds up as these major players. And he, he talks about their lives and talks about, you know, their, their impact on, on the world. And, and so it was very interesting. Um, it, it, I'm about halfway through it. Um, if you have a chance to check it out, it's, it's a very interesting read. Um, and in general, I, I like Mo Rocca's humor in general. So it's just, it's, it's, you know, it connects with me very easily. Nice. And of course you mentioned one of my, one of my favorite kind of weird, uh, historical figures who doesn't, like you say, get their due, uh, when, when you're discussing them, John Quincy Adams. Mm Mm-hmm who uh, is, of course, the son of the second president of the United States, John Adams, mm-hmm. who famously, uh, a fantastic book yep. by uh, by David McCullough. Yep. Oh, my good Lord. Yep. Go out and buy that now. Go out and buy it in several formats. Go out and buy the book, buy the, buy the, 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 the virtual book, buy mm-hmm. the audio book, all of it. Just buy all of them. And then go watch the HBO series, because good Lord, yeah. Paul Giamatti... <laughs> He was born. He was born to play Harvey Picar and and John Adams. Yep. That was really it. Yep. Oh no, and he's actually I would cast him in most anything. Yep. Really, yeah, like I, I probably and, probably he's he's like second or third to like Katie Sackoff in my book. Like I'd cast him in anything, <laughs> just just for kicks. And actually, I mean, so John Quincy Adams, I think, was a great example of someone he wrote about in terms of how significant his post presidency was. Yeah. Because of his his. Uh, just his impact in the Senate. Um, yep. And, and well, so he's a senator. Yep. He was a senator from uh, 1825 to 1829. Mm-hmm. Then he was actually Secretary of State um, before that. Mm-hmm. He was uh, Secretary of State from 1817 to 1825. Then he became a senator. Then he was, uh, uh, I'm sorry, no, he was, uh, I'm sorry. Okay, I've got this all messed up because they have it in order of priority. So uh, I'm looking at Wikipedia, and I'm blaming everything on Wikipedia. So he was uh, a senator from 1803 to 1808. Mm-hmm. Then he was uh, a secretary of state from uh, 1817 to 1825 under President James Monroe. Mm-hmm. Then he was president. He was the sixth president of the United States from 1825 to 1829. After that, he was he didn't get a second term. Right. He then ran as a as a representative, United States House of Representative, which is the lower house mm-hmm. of Congress, mm-hmm. for Massachusetts, and he served from 1831 to 1848. Yeah, that is a dude who is just like you know what I am going to make a difference no matter where I'm. I'm exactly. going to get in however you can. Yep, yep. And man, I mean, and John Adams had a huge impact on on the American Republic as we know it. Yep. You could almost make an argument that John Quincy Adams had an equal, if not more, mm-hmm. 
impact just from the fact that he was willing to serve at whatever level he could. Yeah, and amazing dude. And what was interesting with Herbert Hoover, which I really didn't know a lot about, um, he he was an example of doing a lot pre becoming president because most associate him with the crash of 1929. But mm. when you read about what he did prior to becoming president and how he um, he, he became like this expert on mining, he was doing, um, you know, basically going into different countries and doing their mining operations for them and making a boatload of money. Um, he was actually credited for getting Americans out of Europe after World War One, because apparently no one really had a plan for how to get the army, you know, wherever they were in this in the middle of Central Europe out of there. And so mm-hmm. he was apparently just a very, very strategic man, very um, good with organization and with with resourcing and provisioning and that sort of thing. And so he worked all of this he, uh, like in, in the notes here for the book. It's talking about he, how he was the great humanitarian. He saved probably tens mm-hmm. of millions of people from starvation. No one knows it. Yeah, I, dude, I, I, I think I need to go check that out. I, I might I am about ready to finish up my uh, the book that I've checked out of my library. I might go look at that one. Although so th- I will, thank you very much. Sir. I will quickly drop. I know we've talked a lot about this, but real quick, I will just say that once I'm done this book, I am going to go back, and we may need to have James from Scruffy Looking Podcasters back on. I am going back and I am rereading the Timothy Zahn novels. Oh boy! So am I going to have to get into those too? Uh, dude, you, I, I think it's going to be my next and another thing as I get started on that. So, all right. Well, let me know what sequence you're going in, and and I'll try to follow along. I don't know because I'm heir to the empire. I, just just get heir to the empire and start there. What sir is your and another thing? Yes, thank you for moving us off of that. So, uh, my my and another thing is, uh, I happened to uh, last week, uh, last weekend perhaps, I we uh, me and the missus took a weekend down in Portsmouth, New Hampshire, which is a lovely town. Uh, if you've never been, I highly recommend it. It's a wonderful place to go. Era Portsmouth. Yes, uh, you can you can pretty much like walk to everything. It's great restaurants, uh, great just everything. And um, so one of my favorite places in Portsmouth is uh, it's called Book and Bar, which is actually in the old Customs House building in Portsmouth. And so it's this gigantic like granite building. And you go in and it is a combination bookstore, like used bookstore. Like most of the books are used. Coffee shop and bar. Nice. I never I would never need to leave this place. So, if sounds I like home there. for you. So it sounds like the motherland is calling. Oh my good lord. If I if I was single and lived in Portsmouth, I wouldn't I would I wouldn't even bother getting an apartment. I would just hide out in the bathroom at night <laughs> and then just wander into the place during the day. They come in and I be mean, like, Oh, he's still here. Yeah. <laughs> Damn it, he fooled us again. But so, and and the great thing is they, in addition to having great books, uh, you know, great coffee, and, and of course, lovely beverages, uh, they they also have live music a couple nights a week. And so we were there and uh, and went to see this, uh, and well, we didn't go to see it. We just went to see who was going to be there. Mm-hmm. And it was this trio called Umer Unush. Um, and I'll link this, of course, in the show notes. And uh, so they are a... <laughs> It's a gypsy flamenco swing, and they are phenomenal. Nice. Oh my gosh! Wow. Um, so the they are an award-winning um, gypsy swing uh, trio. They are veterans of the Newport Jazz Festival, Django Fest Northwest, Music Fest Bethlehem, Pennsylvania, and the National Press Club. The name is derived from two words: American and Manouche, the gypsy tribe of guitarist Django Reinhardt. 
The Rip Roaring Ensemble is a super force of hot acoustic gypsy-inspired music featuring uh, mixing flamenco, bebop, and jazz swing influences. Played on traditional French jazz guitars, the, f- the music is rhythmic, vigorous, and elegant. Whether they're playing a musette waltz from 1930 or an Andalusian-inspired original tune, Amerinouche's gypsy flamenco swing style is a fresh and highly enjoyable new sound for the 21st century. These guys were killing it. Wow. Absolutely freaking killing it. Like, all of them. So, uh, So the guitar player, of course, is freaking fantastic mm-hmm. he was playing like this he was just playing the acoustic guitar for most of the night and then he picked up this gretsch uh acoustic like uh, acoustic electric ho- like a gretsch hollow body i guess actually with a with a tremolo oh my freaking lord it was just like yeah because you needed to show off a little bit more nice it, 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 they don't they do not disappoint go and and download everything they've done very cool you will love it it is amazing and awesome nice um nice so yeah that's all i can say about that because i will just like blather on i will check it out so well i'm glad to hear that oh excuse me i'll have to edit that part (laughs) out because that was horrible wow anyways so uh demons there my friend this house is clear now (laughs) Now I'm not going to edit that out because that's just funny. <laughs> and you know what? If you've made it this far, you've earned hearing me burp and uh, and dealing with those demons. Uh, so thank you very much for listening. We appreciate it. And uh, you know what? Damn it! Buy yourself a drink on us. Uh, perhaps some Davidson Reserve or some Three Floyds if uh, if you happen to be in the Chicagoland area. Uh, once again, we thank you very much. Uh, please subscribe to our podcast on Podbean and iTunes. And uh, also follow us on whatever happen, uh, whatever social medias happens to be convenient to you. And this is the point of the show where now we've we've concluded our formal discussion, and uh, I, I I basically hand this off to Tim to 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 just hope, hope, hope beyond all hope. And as we all know, all rebellions are built on hope that he can like just sort of pull a little something something, a little a little hope a little a little dream a little well dare i say coherence out of all the crap that i've talked about this entire time and then you can kind of knit it into a a tapestry that well will make sense to somebody besides me oh good lord and so i always turn it over to him to deliver the last word to a, a benediction of sorts as we've come to call it mm-hmm. here on free range idc mm-hmm. uh, sir can you please Take us home. Uh, I, I think I will quote uh, my brother from from Bill Murray. Mm. Call it fate. Call it luck. I believe everything happens for a reason. Top Gun, I might not have figured out, but everything does happen oh. for a reason. Damn you. <laughs> and please. Damn it, Maverick. And please, 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 hit the lights on your way out. I can take the wrong week. Quit drinking. What did you say? Damn! You're such a disappointing pair. I prayed so hard for you. Get out. I don't come back until you've redeemed yourselves. So say we all. So say we all. I mean, that really got out of hand fast. That was nice. <laughs> <laughs> oh...